Welcome to the Weekly Workplace, where professionals come to find insights and inspiration for success. Hosted by the Missouri Training Institute, this is the Weekly Workplace. Welcome to the Weekly Workplace, where professionals come to find insights and inspiration for success. With you today... Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> Missouri Training Institute, Dewey Thompson, Ray Lyon, and me, Brianna Larimer, um, our uh, small but mighty team of three. I refer to us a lot that way in our training me programs. Too. Well, me too. Yeah. We yeah. are a mighty team. We are. I think that was the title of our very first ever it podcast. Was. It, was. it was. Small but mighty. Yep. Small but mighty. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's actually our, our most downloaded one, too. I mean, obviously being the first one, people wanted to know us. Interesting. <laughs> so maybe we'll do a follow up to that just to see <laughs> where we are from then to now. Two years so, later? Yeah. Three years Almost later? Almost three years oh later. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. We are coming up, too. We've talked about it on our previous episodes. But we're coming up on our 100th episode for the weekly workplace. It's going to be happening in August. Wow. So uh, I think we're, we're making special plans, maybe figure out what we want to do with that. And of course, we welcome your ideas. Please send them to us at mti at missouri.edu. Uh, but for today, we are going to continue on in this series called Teamwork Makes the Dream Work. Brought you back a part three now. Uh, and what's interesting with this is it actually originated from a training. The idea originated from, from a training and a question that someone had posed in a training related to a current situation in their workplace. And at the time, the way that it was described to me, um, the idea of a click was uh, a really pronounced like negative connotation click in the workplace. And I thought it would be interesting just to share some headspace here and what you all think when you hear the term click. Yeah. You know, at, at first, when I think of clicks, I always think of high school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you know? absolutely. And you, you've got the jocks, the, the goths, goths, the nerds, the nerds, the popular, mm-hmm. you, uh, you know, and just like people are forming around a common identifier. You mm-hmm. know, we're all athletes or we're mm-hmm. all into black fingernail polish and, you know, multiple piercings or, you know, whatever. And black lipstick and black, black everything. Oh, I honestly. had that. Black everything. <laughs> but, you know, we they're formed around some common identifier. Mm -hmm. And then I think where the negative connotation comes in is when it then becomes exclusive. Yeah. Meaning at the expense of anybody else, Mm -hmm. we don't allow you in. Mm -hmm. Um, And that brings us to the issue of inclusivity, right? mm -hmm. Um, That we talk about often. So, you know, you know, I think that's an important term to to kind of define as well, you know, and, um, you know, I've heard lots of people talk about it in terms of a sense of welcomeness, you know, a sense of openness and welcomeness for uh, people who may be different from you, right? Um, And so I think that's maybe where some of that so when you see the opposite of that, that exclusivity, mm-hmm. um, I think that's where a lot of that negative negativity kind of comes into play. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I'll just I'll say from my experience with clicks, um, frankly, it's always had kind of a negative connotation to it. And I think Forbes, what was interesting, Forbes actually defined it in an article and I'll post the article in the episode description here. Um, but it said at the core, clicks are formed when people don't feel safe and are desperately trying to fit in. Um, I don't know if I fully agree with that either, but I do feel like the idea of a click, especially a click in the workplace, uh, it's a very uncomfortable feeling for me. Mm-hmm. 
so kind of processing through that, I guess, Dewey, did you have a specific definition then for clicks or? No, not really. I just don't know if, if I would say that all clicks are all negative, you know, that that term implies that we're always talking about a negative group of people uh, in some way. So, um, but I think you're right. I think people are clicks form because they're centered around some type of common identity. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, here's the thing though. I think that's important to realize is that I think people have multiple types of markers of their identity, right? We belong to many different kinds of identities, you know? So, um, you know, again, the idea of welcoming, I think the differences is kind of where I Mm -hmm. would really want this um, episode to go to. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I do, I do think, you know, clicks carries that negative connotation because of the exclusivity, Mm -hmm. not all groups of people that come together are clicks. Yeah. And so I think you can still have, you know, a group of friends that go to lunch together every day. Right. But they're not a click. Right. They just happen to that's when their lunchtime cycles mm-hmm. every single day. And so they end up maybe turns into a habit. Exactly. You know? Yeah. yeah. Um, but not necessarily. So they can be a group of people or even a team. Mm-hmm. Right. Um and not be a click. Yeah. And I think that's interesting too, because sometimes other people outside of that group though, um, might make assumptions though mm-hmm. about this group of people that go to lunch every day and call them a click when in fact, you know, like you say, they might not be, it's just kind of a habit that they've developed. So I think challenging those kind of assumptions in the workplace and those workplace relationships become kind of important then. Right. Mm -hmm. And again, as a leader, that's your coaching responsibility, right? (laughs) Yeah. And that's kind of where we're heading, Dewey. So uh, a great segue there, because um, in this episode, I really do want to focus on when, as a leader, uh, what steps you can be taking to try and uh, alleviate any negativity related to clicks, I guess, or even perceptions of clicks that could overall impact the morale or the culture of of your department, your team, because that can happen if those people to your your point there, Dewey, those people who are kind of looking outside in, maybe making those assumptions and aren't checking themselves in those assumptions, but move forward with that perception, how that then can trigger a lot of conflict, animosity, frustration, and, and again, just negativity in the workplace. And so I think it really does require that the leader have um, really good observation skills and identifying where some where could some of that be taking place uh, at the same time, again, not releasing ownership from the person who might be making those assumptions. Right. Right. So let's talk about it uh, as leaders and as you all have been and and worked in in some different fields. And I, Ray, I know you worked in the school system, so I'll even mm-hmm. ask you from that. But thinking through um, what was important to be aware of as you started noticing the impact maybe some of these groups or cliques were having on the overall environment? How did you stay in tune with what was going on? Might be an easier question there. Um, I think just, first of all, recognizing that that's a human characteristic is for us to want to belong to something. Um, I think from a leadership standpoint, you know, the best way to avoid clicks is to prevent them from happening. Mm -hmm. Meaning, are you strong in setting your purpose and expectations and tying behaviors back to that common thing in which we share? Um, Referring to yourselves as a team, how are you equally distributing your 
time and effort so people are receiving it as what they need to receive. So I think there's some positive leadership behaviors that can be consistently and frequently reinforced without deviation Mm. um, that might help prevent that. You know, I know it, it, it says here, you know, the idea sometimes that clicks um, come together. If we're talking about clicks is that usually they could be employees that don't have necessarily high performance. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're adequate Mm -hmm. (laughs) in that hierarchy or, you know, uh, satisfactory, however your performance uh, metrics name. And so I'm wondering then if how much of what you need to address as a leader is somebody's performance Mm -hmm. more than their interpersonal relationships first. Well, I would go beyond just the idea of performance because when I think about performance, I think, you know, you're not meeting your your numbers, you're not meeting your standards that have been set, the goals that have been set for you. But I, I guess I would focus as a leader on expectations of how things like, for example, how we treat each other. Mm-hmm. And so I think those are important to kind of set that tone and set those expectations as well. Like, this is how we're going to communicate with one another. This is what I expect as a leader from my employees in terms of how they listen to one another, how they communicate with one another, uh, those kinds of things. Um, and then praise that when you see that, right? You want to you recognize those positive, inclusive behaviors um, and then again, maybe coach on some of the things that you're, you know, you're seeing in terms of how people are treating one another mm-hmm. in the workplace. Yeah, it's, it's one thing to set those up and to talk about them. It's much different when they've been violated. Mm-hmm. Yes. And for a lot of people, that's a really difficult conversation. Um, and they feel like because they won't get it right or it won't be fixed, then sometimes they don't even approach it. Mm-hmm. Um, And I know, you know, in our coaching, you know, we don't there's not always a resolution right then. Right. And sometimes people need to sit with it and think about Mm -hmm. what it is. But I (laughs) but I do think good coaches, you know, are the ones that can bring that awareness out, you know, so that people can kind of maybe ponder their behavior in the workplace, maybe towards another coworker. I'm having a very vivid moment. And for um, any listeners out there who have been in my trainings, I've actually used this as a scenario before to talk about this idea of setting the how we're going to interact team expectations. Uh, Ray, do you remember a, a time when we had used to have a fourth person? And uh, she was looking for some of my rosters at that point. And I got frustrated and sent a very snarky email because she I felt like she had lost a, a lot of my rosters. And uh, it was within a few minutes after I sent that email to her, I get an email from you asking to see me. <laughs> Do you remember that? Um, I Vaguely. Yeah. Vaguely. And I was like, oh, here it comes. Here it comes. But I because I knew it. I think in my heart, I knew it that this was not the right way to obviously to interact with colleagues. I was still new and trust hadn't been built and there was a lot of other things there. But what I appreciated was exactly to Dewey's point there is that you you brought me in and you said, look, this is my expectation. If, if a colleague on our team needs help finding something, then you get up and go help find it. And I went, but I didn't help. I didn't lose it. You know, and, and you're like, my expectation is. <laughs> and I was like, OK, all right. And so it was it was a quite a, a learning uh, opportunity. But in that moment, I didn't accept it. I think at face value, it mm-hmm. took me time to process that mm-hmm. and to 
kind of see that bigger picture, the, the we versus the me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's still things I, I work on today. Right. But um, recognize that was always a very vivid moment because I knew it. And then you reemphasized that expectation with me. And then, you know, we were able to move forward from there, too. But I think that it's right, you know, being able to have that candid, difficult conversation and some leaders probably wouldn't have that I've had before. But you did. So thank you for that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and I like what you had said, too. You had mentioned earlier um, that that idea of workplace clicks consist of employees who are, are usually not very high performers. And and the reason of that is because the focus hasn't been been there. Right. The focus now is more on the click and, and the allies and the sides and the gossip or the whatever it is. And it's no longer about the bigger picture of what we're doing as a team or as a department or as an organization. And so really being steadfast on emphasizing that from the beginning with your people as a leader. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think it's also important for so that everybody knows what everybody's role is on the team mm-hmm. as well, right? Because sometimes I feel that you could probably, people could say that there's a click based on maybe a function, you know, a group of employees doing a similar function. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, is that really a click right. or is it just somebody's assumption of that? Um, so it's, I do think it's important that as leaders, another thing I think we can do is to, you know, explain to people's what, what everybody's role is on the team, what the responsibilities are that everybody has and, um, how your work impacts the next person on the team. And so, so that everybody kind of understands what those expectations mm-hmm. are. Um, uh, I think that can go a long way as well. You know, I recently did an activity with, a. Uh, a new new company, a new relationship that we were forming, and so it was it was nice. It was an intimate setting. There were nine people um, that were in attendance, and they were having some issues with another department um, to the point where they needed to bring in you know outside help. And so we did an activity where we actually kind of uh, split the pie, split the you know into different wedges, and talk about what are where where do you expect there to be tensions? Like mm-hmm. there's naturally going to be tensions between research and sales, you know, like there's just, that's how we, that's expected. Mm-hmm. And so what's the difference between what's expected tension and what's not actually contributing, you know, so that they can be focused instead of this, you know, we hate them, mm-hmm. you know, they're hard to work with and in, in thinking about where, where are those expected tensions to happen? Um, because knowing your your boss is going to have, at some point, a difficult conversation with someone. We're humans. That's part of what being the leader means, right? Mm-hmm. And so expecting there to be tension in those situations, but finding where the tension exists, where it shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so helping to define, you know, is this a click or have we have we created the 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 click mentality to the exclusiveness of any other options um, versus what's natural mm-hmm. as as a team working with another team? What are your all's thoughts on on mixing things up? You know, so when I think about this and I'm thinking about clicks 
And I'm thinking about how we can be intentional as leaders, really trying to help other people see things through different lenses. So mixing things up in the sense of whether it's cross training in different spaces. So like to, to your point, you know, sales and research, do they cross train, you know, or um, and not even cross train, maybe we shadow to see kind of what's going on there. Um, team meetings, you know, setting up different seating arrangements or even, you know, not just we're not back in school. We're not elementary, so we don't have to have assigned seats. But, you know, being intentional with a uh, activity or a, a project with your team that would require them to be in different groups uh, that they wouldn't naturally be in. So what do you think? How how effective would that approach be? Well, what I what I like about what you're, you talked about, Brianna, is the word intentional mm-hmm. about that. Um, you know, I, I, I think mixing it up really depends on the organization, the culture, what you're, what you're doing, what your purpose is as a team and those kinds of things. You know, um, in some instances, I don't think that you need to mix up, you know, um, you know, if you got a job at a nuclear power plant, you know, and nobody <laughs> knows exactly how to handle that kind of stuff. I don't think mixing them up at the time is probably a good wise decision. Right. But um, to the degree that you can, I think what what I liked about what you said is the word intentional. Right. So maybe bring in an icebreaker to a meeting because, you know, that people need to learn about each other a little bit more. Mm-hmm. That would be an intentional kind of strategy. Um, I like the idea of maybe within some teams being able to. Uh, job shadow, like you talked about, or cross train, or even delegation. You know, once somebody gets really good at a task, you know, does it really have a much more challenge value for them? You know, maybe I can switch some tasks around among my team members so that they can all kind of grow from those different types of experiences and and understand what you're doing and understand what I'm doing, and because we get to see those different perspectives at that time. But I think it's really about being intentional about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's the key key takeaway that I that I come from that. Yeah. I like some of those or I call them organic in that they're not like Brianna, you go sit with, you. right. You know, <laughs> right, right. You guys, you know, and, and yeah. put all the mismatches together. Yeah. Like, I don't know that I would do that. Right. So that organic response form in the, you know, an icebreaker that you bring and everybody's free to respond at, you know, any time. But the other thing is who, if you've truly identified a click. So a group of individuals that have come together at the exclusion of everybody else and are wreaking havoc on morale, um, then who's the ringleader? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because maybe that's a one-on-one conversation um, that needs to happen. I'll even go a little further with that, Ray, and think about um, as a leader, have you inadvertently caused, you know, um, a click to start to form in some way? Mm, well, if you haven't, <laughs> then why? Like, of, of course, I think, you know, <clears throat> not preventing or not setting mm-hmm. those expectations that you were talking about a little bit right. earlier and being very proactive in, you know, recognizing them, shutting them down when they're not being, you know, happening, bringing people back to those expectations. Mm -hmm. I think if you're not being proactive in that way, then you almost have allowed a click to form. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I hear when, you know, oftentimes from employees, things like, um, or even leaders, for example, who uh, talk about they have to treat everybody the same. 
Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm, because if Please I treat everybody, I know, <laughs> yeah. but they do. They say, I have to treat everybody yep. the same because that way nobody's going to accuse me of, you know, favoritism or, you know, forming this clique over here with these people. So, but I, 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 I want us to be careful that sameness does not mean fairness. Those are two different words. They mean two different things. And I, you know, if you think about it, if you have more than one child, I bet they're very different people. And I think every parent would say that they treat their kids fairly. But I bet every parent would also say that because they are different kids, that they treat them differently Hmm. according to their uniqueness, to their strengths, you know, to who they are as a human being. So, um, you know, fairness and sameness aren't necessarily the same. And I think leaders who, I think leaders need to be fair. I think leaders need to be consistent. Um, But that doesn't mean I'm going to treat everybody exactly the same. Yeah. You know, and I I like to your your point uh, as you're thinking about that identifying the ringleader and being able to recognize how or have I even held this individual accountable? How do I put them on notice, you know, in a way that I'm aware of what's happening here? My concern would be, and I, I've heard this a lot in different supervisory series trainings where individuals come up to me and they're like, hey, I don't know how to separate from my friends group that I've created now that I'm in the role of a supervisor. So going back to that concept of perception that we talked about, you know, the idea that you maybe were in a, a friends group or if we want to call it a click, again, doesn't have to be a negative connotation with that. But you were in that space and now you moved into your leadership position and now the perception is that you're part of that clique still as the leader. So it's almost you're almost in a difficult space of being able to identify the ringleader because you maybe are too close to the situation yourself as a leader. Have you all ever experienced that? Well, in response to that, Brianna, I think what we have to realize is that when you move into a leadership role, right, um, regardless of whether you like it or not, people see you as having more power. People see you as having more authority. You are in what I call a one-upsmanship type of relationship then uh, between you and the people that follow you. And so I hate to be the bearer of bad, such bad news, but, um, and it's not, and please don't take this wrong, that you can't be friends with people that you were friends with before you got the promotion. But the relationship now has changed. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I think, um, I think exceptional leaders realize that and they, um, you know, even though they do kind of remain friends with people, they also have to set very clear expectations mm-hmm. um, with those folks. So because this is about getting the work done through other people, right? Mm-hmm. This is about business. This is about um, the work. It's not necessarily about um, you having to like me all the time, right, as the leader. So, you know, work has to get done. Mm-hmm. And, um, and as leaders, I think it's really important that they hold all of their employees accountable. Mm-hmm. To, 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 to similar standards. I'm just trying to think because I made a, a huge jump from a very close peer group um, in a previous work environment to their boss. And I don't think at the time I respected that jump, mm-hmm. I think as you called it. And I moved really quickly in establishing myself and planting my stake as their new leader. And so I think... Just holding some space for people to adjust to the fact that the relationship will change Mm -hmm. and you're recognizing it. And honestly, if I could go back, I probably would have actually have a conversation about that because we were such a tight knit group. Mm -hmm. 
And bringing it out in the open. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And having a conversation. And just about kind it. of, you know, what, what do you expect of your leader now? You know, mm-hmm. um, now fast forward, of course, those are always like my last mistake is my best teacher. Kind of <laughs> Hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah. yeah. But when I moved into a role um, as a teacher and then I found myself being the dance coach um, of a very competitive nationally ranked dance team and I'm coming in as this new coach and my learning was I'm probably not going to be like the last coach because she was like right out of college as a golden girl Mm. and I'm a mom and you know (laughs) I've had a previous life before I ever got here and so that was like probably the first two practices we just spent time talking Mm. about you know, what was positive about their last experience with their coach? What would they hope um, to have happen here? How do they see this relationship? What do they need from a coach? And and just kind of defining some of those expectations, you know, because of, you know, new leadership coming on board or stepping out of the friends group mm-hmm. into a leadership role, whether you're now their leader or just a leader, mm-hmm. Um because there are a lot of assumptions that, you know, well, the big house, you know, they, mm-hmm. the they act like this. Yeah. yeah. And um, then you get yourself there and you're like, whoa, but guess what? Everybody's still thinking that, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. so you, you have something to talk about. Yeah. Well, what I appreciate about that, it goes back to the same point we emphasized earlier in that, right, that you mentioned that candid and I'm going to add on curious conversation. Right. So leaning into that, being very candid, that things are changing. Here we are. But let me lean into this and say, what what else, what, what do we need? What do we need to do here and establish together um, to you know remove some of the potential barriers that we can have? I'd say if anything comes out of your mouth, that isn't a question. Stop talking. Mm. Good advice. Honestly, like just. If it's not a question, don't say it, you know, frame it in the form of a question. Maybe that's the other thing. Like mm-hmm. there shouldn't be these declarations yet. Right. Um, we're kind of getting off of the the click idea here, but I think it's coming into and establishing yourself mm-hmm. as a leader that may or may not tolerate whatever behaviors are going Correct. on in your on your team. Yeah, because you absolutely could have inherited a team that has these absolutely. clicks already established. Absolutely. So as much as we sit here and say, oh, you know, the best way to yeah. have clicks is to prevent them from yeah. ever occurring, you might inherit them. Yeah. You know, right. and you're wanting to change that. But I would still come in very curious. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very right. curious. Because you don't know why they establish themselves. And the longer you put that off or that pro whatever that process will look like for you off with the curiosity, the candid conversation, identifying ringleaders, all of that. I think the less credibility you start having as a new leader of that team too. Would you agree? Yes, because I think in some ways now they think you're condoning it. Right. Because you're not exactly. addressing it. Exactly. So I think there's a reasonable amount of time to observe your you know, geography a little bit and kind of see and get a lay of the land, so to speak, you know, so not addressing it like day one, but after you've observed the interworkings and what's changing just because you are now the leader of this group um, gives you an opportunity to ask good questions when it's time to address what's going on. Mm hmm. 
Well, this time has gone fast, you all, uh, as we've sat and, and talked about uh, clicks in the workplace. Uh, again, however you want to define clicks, not necessarily with the negative connotation, but just recognizing what is the, the bigger impact it can have on inclusivity in your environment, psychological safety in your environment, several different facets there. But as, as we kind of end today, Dewey, Ray, any final thoughts? Be intentional. And I, I do like what um, uh, Ray mentioned just a while ago about the idea of going in and learning about your team first, um, learning about your organization, learning about your role as the leader um, before you get in and jump in and make a lot of a lot of big changes. Yeah. A lot of declarations, you yeah. know, my way or the highway kind of stuff or this idea of sitting back and doing nothing. And right. then to me, the, the cause of poor team dynamics is weak leadership. Bottom mm -hmm. line. It's always the manager. It's always the manager <laughs> and it's never about the money. Yeah. I think we have said that on every episode for this series <laughs> so far. Maybe a lot of episodes throughout our 90 some one, odd episodes. One thing that I, I want to give credence to and um, is there is so much power in modeling oh, yeah. proficient behaviors. You know, and so I really encourage, you know, I might not have a, a an icebreaker to bring to this meeting, but how am I modeling inclusivity? How am I, you know, when I get up and go to lunch and I'm like, hey, want to join me? I mean, mm -hmm. how am I modeling those behaviors? There's so much power in that. Mm -hmm. there really Just is. doing the right thing. Mm hmm. Absolutely. Well, thank you all again for another hearty discussion on teamwork, making the dream work. So uh, next week, we're actually going to be talking a lot about now, now that we're dismantling our clicks in our workplace, what does it really look like or what does it mean to be a good team player? So we're going to step outside of the leadership hat a little bit and just go into generally speaking. Uh, and again, whether you're a leader, whether you're a frontline employee, that episode will be for you. So be sure to tune back in next week. And until then, go be great. Thanks for listening to The Weekly Workplace, hosted by the Missouri Training Institute. Dewey, Ray, and Brianna stand ready to connect with you and meet your training needs. Be sure to check out ways to contact them in the episode description or at mti.missouri.edu. Subscribe to the podcast to get future episodes automatically by tapping subscribe in your podcast player of choice. Hope to catch you on the next episode of The Weekly Workplace. Yes.